Father in heaven, Lord, we thank you for the privilege of studying your word. And Father, we thank you for the privilege of being your people. We're scattered across the country and convening in Minneapolis. It is a privilege to have fellowship with each other, and especially studying the word together. It is, it's a joy, Lord. We thank you for that. Father, as you have been with us in the past seminars, we ask that you be with this last one. And uh, Lord, uh, I am incapable, incompetent, and uh, incomprehensible. But Father, by your Spirit, all things are possible. So Father, we ask a blessing that only you can give to myself and also for every person who may be listening to this presentation. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Well, before we start off, let's start with this. Um, You guys have had a whole... This is the last seminar. Amen, friends? Last seminar. Uh, no amen. Okay, cancel. Unamen that. Um, what are things you will remember from the past six seminars? And it doesn't have to be from this seminar. Just Let's just share. Luke said potpourri, but it's potpourri of uh, what we've learned so far. Um, what are things you remember? Just raise your hands, shout it out. Just a whole uh, schizophrenic session we're going to have. Anyone? What do you guys remember from this we as Seventh-day Adventists believe in the Fourth Commandment. Remember the Seventh Day, and we need to remember anything that we learn. It's just, you know, the remember aspect is very important to us. So, What do you remember? Anyone? No matter what we're doing, we need to be thinking about how we can not be selfish. Okay, no matter what we're doing, we've got to think how not to be selfish. Okay, I love the emphasis on the not there, okay? Anyone else? Selflessness breaks that rock barrier that, that Christ crushes. Okay, good. Anyone else? Just anything. Anything from the seminars you guys will have learned? Just to help refresh. Some cool things from Alan and Nicole Parker about okay. the um, whole thing, but we're just friends, you know, about okay. some real warning signals in relationships. Okay. They're going a little too far. Okay. Alan and Nicole Parker have been doing a dating seminar, yes, and they have one seminar called... I won't say what it's a very interesting type topic they had. Okay. Yeah. If you abide in my word, then you are my disciples. Okay. If you abide in my word, then you are my disciples. Okay. Abide. Is that what your translation says? Abide. Okay. Awesome word. Abide. Continue. Remain. Okay. Anyone else? Anyone else? Yeah. If we're ashamed to share the gospel, because we don't believe it works. If we're ashamed to share the gospel, share the gospel. Because we don't believe it works. Wow, where'd you learn that? Wow, powerful. You should go to his, his seminar. <laughs> it's really good. Okay. Anyone else? Anyone else? Anyone else? Okay, good. Good, 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 good. We're going to drive. Uh, this seminar is called Among Thorns. It is the last of the three presentations. It's the, the third of the four uh, soils. We're not going to get really into the fourth soil just because it's the good one. That's the one we should all be. 160, 30-fold fruit. And that's what, what the scripture says. But Among Thorns is probably one of my favorites. Um, the topic we're going to talk about is subversion, a going against screen. Does anyone know what subversion means? Subversion. Okay, I think we're going to get an idea of what it means a little later on. Um, review, just for those of you guys who are joining us for the first time, just brief review. Um, the Word makes us into His disciples. One, we talked about in the, my first presentation, superficiality prevents this process. Number two, we just learned selfishness prevents this process. And number three, we're going to see um, next. Okay, uh, <laughs> theme text. Okay, if you have your Bibles, go to John chapter 8, verse 31. We're going to memorize this text. For those of you who have been with us in the past, it's going to be super easy. If it's not, you're going to be painful in memorizing this. Okay? 
If you continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed. Repeat after me. If you continue in my word, then are ye my disciples disciples indeed. Okay, repeat after me. If you continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed. Okay, for those of you who have been here with us since the last session, one, two, three, go. Okay, close your eyes. <laughs> okay, one more time. <laughs> Ready, go. Okay, amen. For those of you who are with us for the first time, I won't pressure you in any way. So just have a breath of... Um, Okay, among thorns, among thorns, Matthew chapter 13, we're going to look at the third, third soil together, okay? We're going to look at Matthew 13, Mark chapter 4, and Luke chapter 8. And Matthew 13, verse, uh, verse 7 says, Some fell among thorns, the thorns sprung up and choked them. Okay, now the previous one, um, it said that what sprung up? The seed went in and it didn't go deep, but it sprung up really quickly. But here, the seed isn't growing as much, it's the thorns that are growing. Very interesting, okay? And the thorns choked them. Mark 4, 7 says, some fell, oh, Very similar. Some fell among thorns. The thorns grew up, choked it, and it yielded no fruit. And Luke, uh, very similar again. Some fell among the thorns, and the thorns sprang up with it and choked it. The interpretation, a couple of verses afterwards. Matthew says, He also that received the seed among the thorns is he that hears the word, and the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, choke the word, and he becomes unfruitful. This is something you should all be familiar with. Mark says, very similar, he says, The cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the lusts of other things entering in. And Luke says, When they have heard, they go forth and are choked with cares and riches and and pleasures of this life and bring no fruit to perfection. So we're going to compare these guys. The seed falls among the thorns. That means you're hearing the word of God. The thorns spring up. That means the cares of the word, not the word, cares of the world. I put an L in there. It's a huge, crucial difference. Um, Decidefulness of riches and lusts of this life spring up. Then they get choked, the word of God is choked, there's no fruit, and there's no fruit. Okay? Very straightforward. Seeds so far. The wayside seeds never grew. Okay? So they're just sprinkled on the side, and the birds come, and peck, 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 and they're gone. Stony seeds, they actually grow. They grow super fast, but there's no foundation. So what happens is, the sun comes out, they shrivel up. The thorny seeds... Uh, emphasizes that thorns grew and choked the seeds, they're still alive yet dying. Okay? Now let me ask you guys this. Which of the three seeds is the most existentially painful? Would you rather be burned up by the sun, pecked by a giant bird, or still live and be choked by, by thorns while you're living? Many of us are paralyzed in the third soil. See, the first soil, you don't know you're dead. You're, you're, you're just dead. The birds come, boom, you're gone. The second one, you're, just, you're, you're so superficial that you're gone and you don't even know it. <laughs> but the third one is, you're still in the church. You're still living. But these thorns are continuing to choke you. Thorns. The thorns that have been cut off, but not uprooted, grow apace until the soul is overspread with them. Christ objects, page 50. 
Okay. So here's, cru- here's what's crucial. The thorns must be uprooted out, not just trimmed. Yeah? When you, when you cut them off, temporarily you're okay. And I think a lot of us Christians live this way. We take away all the thorns, we just cut it off, but the roots are still there, deep in our hearts. We ask Jesus, Jesus, take the claw, majig, break the, the earth, and then go deep and take the roots of the thorns and just poof, take it out. As you guys can see, I'm ready into sound effects, so forgive me if this is incoherent. Um, there are three types of thorns, cares of this world, deceitfulness of riches, and lusts and pleasures. We'll look at each of these three a little bit more in depth. The cares of this world. Matthew chapter 6. Please open to Matthew chapter 6 if you have your Bibles. Matthew chapter 6. The, the, the secret to Bible study is to see what is being repeated over and over again. This morning, I'll kind of save you some of the trouble of, of Bible scholarship and just say what's happening in chapter 6. Verse 25. Therefore, I say unto you, take no thought for your life. Verse 28. Why take ye thought for raiment? Verse 31. Therefore, take no thought. Verse 34. Therefore, take no thought. What is Jesus saying? Don't worry. So Jesus and a lot of Paul, Paul does this even more than Jesus, they repeat themselves over and over again. Don't worry, don't worry, don't worry, don't worry. By the way, don't worry. And in conclusion, don't worry. Because don't worry, don't worry, don't worry. Please don't worry, don't worry. You understand? And the disciples are like, oh, what is he talking about? That's what the gospels say over and over again. Okay. Now, here he's saying, don't worry, don't worry, don't worry. Why? Actually, the motivation is found, or the, the impetus is found in verse uh, 19. Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moth, rust doth not corrupt, where thieves do not break through nor steal. Where your treasure is, there will you be heart also. Amongst all topics that Jesus talks about, Guess what he talks about most? It's not about love, it's not about grace, and it's not about the law. He actually talks about work and money the most. Interesting, huh? Now, he's not saying go out there and make a lot of money. He's not a CEO or any of that sort. He's actually saying we are human beings living on this earth. We labor for six days. We put the punch card in, blue-collar workers, from 9 to 5 or 6, with students from 9 to Three <laughs> in the morning. Um, we just work a lot. And he's saying, how uh, vain is it if you work that hard and you waste it all on something that's going to go away afterwards? So he's saying, to maximize your labor, here's some advice. And he says three things. Don't lay it up on, on things where moth, rust, and thieves. Three things. Moth, biological decay. Rust, chemical decay. And thieves, social decay. Okay, social decay, yeah. Okay. So don't invest in the boyfriend. The boyfriend will steal your heart. Don't invest in a girlfriend. She'll steal all your money. Uh, don't invest in a nice suit. It'll decay. Don't invest in a LCD projector. Uh, LCD TV, it's $2,000. It'll decay, it'll rust, yeah. And Jesus is saying, you have all this money. Use it for something you can appreciate later on. And what is that? Jesus saying souls. And if you don't appreciate the wealth of souls now, you won't appreciate it in heaven. It'll be eternal 
pain in heaven to see all these souls there and like, I hate these people. And Jesus will say, well, maybe it's better that you didn't come here. Anyway, he says, don't worry, don't worry, don't worry, don't worry. In verse 32 of chapter 6, it says, For all these things do the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knows that you have need of all these things. So, ladies, the Lord needs you need a man, and men, the Lord needs you need a woman. Okay? The Lord needs you need a house, the Lord knows you need a new suit, the Lord knows you need marbles, the Lord needs you know, a new knife set, the Lord knows all these things, but forget about these things. Amen? Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. You probably heard this sermon already. But here's what we, where it's getting at. Jesus is saying is, don't worry, don't worry, don't worry, because there's this kind of, uh, I need worldly things mentality that we have in, in our brains. Especially Americans. Amen? Especially Americans. We went to Target the other day, and I even caught myself. I'm like, man, I need that candle burner. It's so awesome. It's the one where like, you, don't have to have, you don't have to hold it. You just put it on top of the can and just cuts it by itself. It's so awesome. I'm like, man, I need that. But then I'm like, why do I need that? I don't even eat out of a can except for like veggie links. <laughs> you got to catch yourselves. Jesus says, don't worry. He'll give you all these things if you really need it. It's even a can opener. Um, Christ Object Lessons, page 51. Christians must work. They must engage in business. And they can do this without committing sin. And I think she's actually going against the opposite extreme. Jesus says, don't worry, don't worry, don't worry. And you know, there's people who say, well, I'm not going to worry. I'm just going to sit next to a, a stop sign, and I'm just going to wait here and do nothing. And I don't think Ellen White is actually promoting that in any way. Um, Many have become so absorbed in business that they have no time for prayer, no time for study of the Bible, no time to seek and serve God. At times, the longing of the soul go out for the holiness in heaven, but there is no time to turn aside from the din of the world to listen to the majestic and authoritative utterances of the Spirit of God. She's writing this in the 1800s. People in the 1800s were busy people. No time, no time, no time, no time. Imagine what she would say if she saw us in 2007. <laughs> How much more busy are we today? I mean, I'm so busy, I have no time to call my mom. <laughs> Hi, mom. I love you. Bye. <laughs> it's the most efficient way of communication. We're even text, texting our, our parents, you know, happy birthday. It's not even happy birthday, it's HB. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, cares of this world cares of this world we're so busy taking care of ourselves and the cares of this world we have no time for jesus okay and this is something i don't want to belabor this point but this is a thorn you guys it's a thorn you can live spiritually and the cares of this world just wraps around and you continue to live and you continue to live okayly if that's a word and this thing chokes you eventually next one deceitfulness of riches by the way money is not bad amen friends it's not bad the lord uses money in fantastic ways um, there's a lot of people who feel guilty that they have a lot of them. Don't feel guilty at all. Um, the Lord will use you powerfully. Now, the deceitfulness of riches is, now that I have a lot of money, my individuality and my purpose and my meaning and my identity comes from my bank account. And there's something wrong with that. Okay? The deceitfulness of riches, First Timothy chapter 6, verse 10. For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some have coveted after, they have erred from the faith, pierced themselves to, with many sorrows. So Timothy, Paul does not say to Timothy, money is the root of all evil. It's what? The love of money. Okay? So when you see a $10 bill in the middle of the convention center, what is your first reaction when you see that? <laughs> is it, oh, there's $10. Or is it, oh, there's $10. <laughs> and then once you have the $10, what are you going to do with it? 
buy something. Can't open her. Can't open her. Um, Target. The love of money. Now, friends, I want to, I'm not really, I'm, I'm trying to, there's this one, I, I hate using movies for analogies, I really do. But for this one analogy, it's, it's great. Have you guys seen the movie Schindler's List? Schindler's List. Okay, if you haven't heard of it, don't watch it. It's, it's, uh, but there's this one part that's just kind of, it hits you really, really crazy. Uh, this is a man named, I think his name is Schindler. Uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure his name is Schindler. He's a rich man, and he sells everything he has to save the Jews, to get him out of the concentration camps, or something like that, whatever. I'll spoil the ending for you, so don't watch it. Um, and in the end, he sells everything. He sells his car, his factory, and all these things, and he saves all these Jews. But at the last moment, he looks down, and he sees what time it is, and he has this expensive watch. And he cries at the end of the movie, thinking, how many more souls could I have, I have saved with this expensive watch? Now, he's not saying, why do I have a watch? We, he needs a watch, to, you know. But he's saying, why do I have this expensive watch? This German Rolex? I don't, I don't know, whatever it is. But he's saying, how many more souls died because I had this expensive thing? Now, in the last days, friends, we should not have any, any money left in our bank accounts when Jesus comes. We shouldn't. If you have a million dollars in your bank account when Jesus comes, that is a waste of money. Isn't it? And in heaven, you may be thinking, how many more souls could I have saved with that bank account being zero rather than 100 million thousand, whatever it is? Now, I'm not going out there, I'm not saying, you know, liquidate your assets now for Jesus, okay? Um, but you understand the, the, the principle involved there, okay? FE, which stands for Fundamentals on Education, there are two educations to educators. Uh, I don't know, go do a Google on it. It says, money, God's money is expended in order to make an appearance after the world's customs. The religious experience is contaminated with worldliness and the evidence of discipleship. Christ's likeness and self-denial and cross-bearing is not discernible by the world or by the universe of heaven. Okay, So how you spend your money, and the pastors have no right to tell you how you spend your money, but we have, the Bible teaches us, gives us principles on how to spend your money. It is a private exercise, but how we spend our money determines the salvation for ourselves and also for those around us. Lusts and pleasures. These are not necessarily things sinful in themselves, but something that is made first instead of the kingdom of God. Whatever attracts the mind of mind from God, whatever draws the affections away from Christ, is an enemy to the soul. We believe as biblical Christians that sex is not bad. Amen, friends? Amen. Sex is not bad. It is a natural drive that God gave us. It is one of the first commandments He gave. Okay? Go and be fruitful and multiply. Okay. Now, this drive is so holy and so strong, it needs to be protected under the confines of marriage to be experienced in its most heightened form. Hunger is a natural drive. Hunger is a beautiful thing from God. Amen, friends? Like, I'm getting hungry right now. <laughs> okay. Hunger is a good thing. Now, what Satan does, he takes natural drives and he turns them up or turns them down, and he mixes it with weird things and you know, blends them in a blender on high speed, at 10 speed, you know, from Target. And he says, this, do this now. And we get these malformed, weird urges and drives in us. Okay? That's what lust and pleasure is. So if you're attracted to the other gender, don't take a whip and hate yourself. 
Now, because, and I'm not saying that out of a joke, because there are other denominations out there that believe anything that pertains to the body is evil. Yes? So hunger is evil. Sexual drives, evil. Marriage, evil. Ugh, disgusting. How dare you? you know? <laughs> we believe at Seventh-day Adventists, especially under Council of Ellen White, she allowed a psychosomatic uh, connection between the mind and body. She says that our, the soul is not this white, sparkly thing in the middle right here. It is our flesh, our mind, all comprehensive of who we are. So who we are, this body itself, is a soul. And all the drives that it is part of God's mechanic, me, uh, mechanism. So don't feel guilty about these things. Amen, friends? Amen. It's, a, it's a balanced perspective on these things. Now, what Satan will do is, you know, while wow, you're attracted to that girl, well, let me just press the turbo button. <laughs> and let me pervert this a little bit. <laughs> you know, whatever. And it goes in a weird way. Okay? If you're hungry, you know, you should be eating healthy food. But then you know, Satan presses a button, and you, just, you get into, you're like, man, I'm craving a cockroach. And you go... <laughs> Make a cockroach salad and cockroach cakes and cockroach soup. Christ Objects Lessons, page 54. Many parents seek to promote happiness of their children by gratifying their love of amusement. Huh. Americans. And I'm an American myself. I'm blasting myself, even though I don't look like one. They allow them to engage in sports, to attend parties of pleasure, provide them with money to use freely in display and self-gratification. The more the desire for pleasure is indulged, the stronger it becomes. The interest of these youth is more and more absorbed in amusement until they come to look upon it as the great object in life. They form habits of idleness and self-indulgence that make it almost impossible for them ever to become steadfast Christians. Have you ever searched YouTube out there? YouTube is the example of having too much time on your hands. Now, there's a lot of useful things on YouTube, don't get me wrong. When college students have too much time on their hands, what possesses them to do the things they do on YouTube? To waste their time that way. Now, I'm not just that's just YouTube. It's our culture today. Why are we just so enthralled with pleasure and entertainment? I need to be stimulated, 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 stimulated. We have iPods. We wake up, music, 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 and we go to class, 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 class. Internet, internet, mail, 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 I am, I am, and then we go to church. Like everything's gone. We're like, do you understand? No wonder the church can't compete. Now, I'm not saying go out there and throw your iPods. I'm not saying that. I'm saying go load your iPod with the Bible. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> it actually helps. Now, you do get bored once in a while, but we need to train our minds to get that intention back. Amen? Because we can't function as human beings, especially youth of all people. They say the more, psychologists, sociologists say this, the more pleasure-oriented you are, the more idleness that you experience, the more angry the child becomes as an adolescent. You ever see really angry kids? You see mothers and, and parents are like, you know, oh, what do you want to do? And, 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 and it's not the parents who are the heads of the household, it's the kid who is the head of the household. What do you want to do? Hey, do you want to watch TV? And the kid just gets angry. You ever see angry, spoiled kids? No, I got you know. Just, wow, go watch YouTube. It's on there somewhere. <laughs> anyway, 
Self-denial is not a bad thing. Amen? Amen. Now, by self-denial, I'm not saying we've got to go and hit ourselves in the whip. And that's like the, the com- common misconception we have. Self-denial is like looking and not washing your face and they're just, you know, not taking a shower and you just hit yourself up. That's not self-denial, friends. Being like Jesus is self-denial. Simple as it is. The world. 1 John chapter 2, verse 15 and 16. Love not the world, you know this very well. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. There are three things that define the world. First one, lust of the flesh, is sensualism. Okay? Things that your body just naturally craves. Um, yesterday, how many were at Andrea Oliver's um, plenary session? Fresh presentation. Loved it. She talked about one of her friends. Guy was addicted to sex. Okay? That is not uncommon, friends. The majority of men are addicted to pornography in America today. Okay? Now, before, uh, ladies, before you get like, ew, that's disgusting. You know what's happening? Females are more and more getting into pornography more than men now. At faster rates. It is weird. Not that men being in pornography is excusable, but it's just, you know, it's, the whole world is becoming more and more sexually charged. I watched this documentary where they actually talked about oh, this, the, the, the six or seven uh, prime advertising companies. You know what they do? They are all in sync in this. They are intentionally advertising to young people by interviewing 10% of the teenage fringe, the most radical fringe, and applying what they are experiencing and then advertising to the remaining 90%. And guess what? They actually do gender advertising. You know what best works? For the females, it's called a midriff advertising campaign. You show a naked female body from the chest down to her waist. You know, the, the midriff. That attracts men and attracts females. They're intentionally making females into sexual objects. Now, the guys are saying, that's awesome. But the girls are saying, we wholeheartedly welcome that. We want to be sexual objects. Isn't that crazy? We want to be sexual objects. For men, they'd use the MOOC campaign. Have you guys heard of MOOC campaign? It's the dumbing down of the man. It started with Homer Simpson. Have you guys know who Homer Simpson is? Okay. But it's now come to a degree where the MOOC is a young male who's stupid and talks like this. And it's funny. You guys have seen millions of TV advertisements or movies like that. And they're sexually obsessed. And all they can think about is sex and alcohol and they're stupid. And... <laughs> That's the general conception of masculinity today in the media. And guess what? Females are attracted to that. And men aspire to be that. <laughs> it really is. Just turn on any media source, any, any top whatever, those comedies or whatever, and the female is a sex object and the, the male is an idiot. That's what our culture is becoming like today. Now, I'm not saying that as a reactionary. I'm saying as a, as a sociolo- sociological observer. Yes? Now, do you think that's permeating through Adventism? That's for you to answer. Lust of the flesh, sensualism. Lust of the eyes, materialism. Okay? Everything that we see, even myself. And I, I Asian eyes, but I think my Asian eyes are bigger than some of yours. Okay? We go around and everything that we see, we're just attracted. I need to buy that. I need to buy that. I need to buy that. I actually think, praise the Lord, we're entering a recession right now. We don't have to spend our money as much. Save up your money, friends. Use it on things that are useful, like souls. 
Spend it on, on resources. Donate to campus ministries at the Michigan Conference. Uh, whatever. Last, pride of life, egotism. We talked about this last time, so we won't get into it. But selfishness, self, 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 self. Subversion. The, one, the, the, uh, the method to go against the world is called subversion. It means rebellion. Young people love to rebel. Amen, friends? Okay? Parents say, go clean your room. We say, no. I love it. No. Subversion. We must develop hatred. Hatred is a spiritual gift. We must all be people who hate things. Okay? Now, depending on what we hate. Proverbs 8.13. The fear of the Lord is to what? Hate evil. See, innately in our essence, God has created us with the capacity to hate. When Adam and Eve were around and they saw something evil, do you think, oh, it's okay, you know, like this Care Bear kind of land? No, it wasn't. When they saw evil, they're like, God, I hate you. And I, I can't imagine. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what it is. But they, see, if you love good that much, just as much you hate evil that much. Yeah, is that clear? Just because you're good and all loving doesn't mean you love everything. And so, we as living in these last days, as converted people, and those who believe, we as, as, as Adventists who believe Revelation chapter 14 verse 7, fear God. The fear of the Lord is to what? Hate evil. I want to ask you guys this. Do you guys hate evil? Do you hate evil? Now, I would say, no, we don't hate evil. We're entertained by evil. We love evil. Now, I personally hate cauliflower. I hate it. Well, I started eating at this Arabian restaurant, which is really good cauliflower. But outside of that, (laughs) any other time, I hate cauliflower. And every time I see it, my, and I, I, have a, I have a tendency to wear my expressions on my face. My face just goes like... And I try not to, and it's just a natural response. Why is it when we see evil, we don't have a natural inclination to hate it? Why is it when we see it on TV, we just think, oh, well, I'm an adult, I can handle this. It's just, you know, everyone else is watching this, what's the big deal? Why is that? Now, I'm not saying we should be... Um, super, you know, anal retentive about all these things, but we need to be sensitive. That's what I'm saying with you. We become too desensitized. Amen? Yeah? Amen. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil, pride, arrogancy, and the evil way, and the forward mouth do I hate. I think all of us, those of us in the churches, we, we have a tendency to hate other church members. Yeah? <laughs> we hate people who are arrogant, who are proudful. I think the one way to, to, to not focus on that is when, you, when we see our own pride for the first time, everyone else's pride does not compare in comparison. <laughs> does not compare. And that's when we're truly converted at that point. When we see other people's pride bigger than ours, we're, we're not converted. We really aren't. We need to learn to hate that. Hate ourselves even. Hate our pride. Is that clear? Amen, friends? Let's see. Develop hatred for the world. Okay, those three things that we talked about before. Revelation 14.7 is what we talked about. Hatred is godly. Hatred is godly. So here we go. If hatred is, if evil is entering into your homes, say, I hate it. And you go against the system. Go against the system. 
find practical ways in your life to say, you know what, I want to hate this system. If it's entering your church, all of you have a responsibility to place your pastors on a higher standard. I'm, I'm telling you, I'm a pastor myself. I'm a licensed pastor myself. Young people, you can do stuff that no one else can. You guys have a supernatural power. You can do stuff, and no one will hate you for it. You can say stuff. Um, back when Israel, Andrea, and I started off GYC, someone played a, a, a movie during divine service. Now, th- this wasn't, the, if it was like an okay movie, you know, she would tolerate it. But this was a, a violent movie. And there's some stuff inappropriate for divine worship. Inappropriate. So she wrote a letter. And she said, for this reason, and she wasn't like, ah, she didn't say that at all. With a Christian grace, yes, and not annoyingly, yet rationally and intelligently, she argued out the points why that was incorrect. And she placed her pastor and made him accountable and, 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 and responsible. You shouldn't have done that for the precise reasons. But in every way, I love you, I support you, and, and we're going to work together on this, but this was, I don't think this was right of you to do. Okay. Because she was a young person, and it's weird, when young people do it, it's like cool all of a sudden. Older people know what's cool because they follow the young people. You may be thinking, yeah, right. No, they do. <laughs> they really, really do. And if you make a mistake, just say, hey, I didn't know. I'm young. <laughs> you understand? Like, we have that, that, that license. So we have a voice, and we have the license to get out of it. <laughs> when GYC started, and even today, I'll give you guys, I guess it's being recorded, so I'll have to watch what I'm saying, but uh, GYC, because it's young people, we get to do what we want to do, and the older generations can't do much about it. Time Magazine just came out with an article. The next generation uh, of young people are having a hard time in the churches. Why? Because the baby boomers are making these weird things going on. Baby boomers are all about show. Huge uh, light, light, light sets and cameras and, 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 and like it's all a huge presentation. The trend for young people today is to go back to the original, the organic, the real, the natural, the ancient, the, 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 you know what I'm talking about? Going back to the source. And they actually say that this generation identifies more with the grand, their grandparents' generation more than the baby boomer generation. So they'll come into these mega churches, and mega churches, there's lots of people, and there's all this glitter and going on, and, 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 and they just can't connect in any way. It just seems like they're going there and they're watching a TV show, and then they go home, and they get no spiritual fulfillment out of it. When GYC started, we're like, you know what, let's just get a, a natural, hardcore, organic, face-to-face Bible study experience. And because enough young people wanted it, the parents, you know what, this must be the new cool thing. We can't do anything about it. While you're young, go against the system. Now, here's the thing. If you're going to go against the system, we naturally go against the system anyway. Yeah, Our, homo- our hormones tell us to go against the system. Okay? But convert your hormones, friends. <laughs> convert your hormones. Take the Bible verse, Proverbs 8.13, and say, you know what? I want to go against the system of the world now. I want to live for Jesus Christ. Because the benefits outweigh it. You're still rebellious, and you'll have fun doing it.
Some examples. Um, hatred for evil, not humanity. Okay, by the way, go against the system, not the people. Okay? Anyway. Examples. Dostoevsky. How many of you guys know Dostoevsky? In this room alone, there's so much potential to change the world. This one man, I'm not saying go out there and write the next great Russian novel because I don't think any of you speak Russian. Uh, Dostoevsky says, you know, I'm a Christian and I want to write a great novel where people can understand the principles of Scripture without actually going to the Bible. And so he writes, he writes wonderfully. Now, whatever he did, he did very well. Yeah? So all of you guys here, we have different talents, different individuals, different, different whatever essences of character. Use whatever you have and go against the system for God. Alexander Dostoevsky went against the system, and he wrote novels for, for God. Okay? Other examples. C.S. Lewis. How many know C.S. Lewis? Okay? He wrote a children's novel. He went against the system. Now, I'm not saying go out and read him. I mean, there's some stuff he has, wonderful stuff that he has. And I'm not, this is not a debate about the movies and all Harry Potter and all whatever, but he used what he went and went against the system. He, he went on BBC. You guys know BBC? Any Brits here? Okay. Um, what does it stand for? British Broadcasting. You guys don't know. I don't know. Okay. Um, he went on, and then for the first time, he did discourses on Christianity. It was so profound, so well done. They made it into a book called Mere Christianity. Very well done for BBC. Alvin Plantinka. Does anyone know who this guy is? Okay. In the 1950s, all philosophers, all PhDs of philosophy were atheists, all of them. To go into philosophy was to deny God automatically. Here comes this guy, Alvin Plantinga. Okay, he's Dutch or somewhere in Europe, whatever. And he says, you know what? I'm going, if, if I'm a Christian and the Lord has made me with an, an, an irrational, intelligent mind, I can defend the cause of God, theism, using philosophy. And he prayed about it. He's like, Lord, I want to convert. I want to help philosophers out there. And today... 33% of philosophy departments in North America are theists because of this one man. He's still alive. Amen. For those of you in universities, one-third of your philosophy department is now Christian because of this one guy. We need to impact every field out there. Yeah? All of us don't need to enter the ministry, but all of us need to do ministry. Yeah? So if you're into art history, go out there and get your PhD in art history and become the best art historian and combine the aspects of biblical art history. <laughs> I don't know, use your creativity, yeah? If you're going to be a, a, a computer technician, be the best technician you are, but go against the system with who you are. Other examples. There are Martin Luther King Jr. You guys know who he is, okay? Abraham uh, Kuyper. This man was a, uh, a Christian uh, philosopher, writer. He started a university in, 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 in the Netherlands. He wanted to bring Christ and, and, and Bible, Bible principles into society. He ran for government and became the first Christian prime minister of the Netherlands. Okay. He, these guys went against the system. Now, there's a whole list I could give you, but didn't have time and didn't think you would be interested. Al Gore is one man. I think. Now, I'm not saying let's go vote for him for president. If you do, let's talk later. Um, you know he got a divinity degree? He went to the seminary. And he has a passion to save the world. Why? His motivation comes from a Christian one. Now, he's not a something Adventist, and you know, that's not a whole deal, whatever, but he wants, to, he thinks we're stewards. Don't you agree? We're stewards of this earth that God has given us. And he's using politics to get that across, but he's not preaching while he's doing it, Yeah? 
and he just got the Nobel Peace Prize. Isn't that awesome? He loses the elections, but he gets the Nobel Peace Prize. I'd rather be this guy than... than um. Next guy is a review. <laughs> Wayside. Wayside seeds, we, we've learned we need to focus. We need to love the Word of God. Amen, friends? Focus. Refuse superficiality. Develop a consistent devotional life. The rocky soil teaches us we need to have humility and learn depth of the Word. Refuse selfishness, and we need to develop a life of worship and service. And from today, uh, from this, this section, we learned that from the thorny soil, let's have hatred and experience life in the Word. Refuse worldliness and develop a life of subversion and rebellion. Amen, friends? Amen. Theme text. If you continue my Word, then you are my disciples indeed. Which soil are you? Where is continuing in the Word difficult for you? And eventually, do you want to choose to become the soil with 160, 30 folds of fruit? My question is, which, which four of the soils are you? That's, that's the basic question. Which of the four are you? You have to fit in the one of the four, and we need to choose today to be part of the good one. Amen? That's our word of prayer. Father in heaven, we thank you so much for this wonderful parable. Father, it excites us that you have all these promises in store for us, this high calling for us. Lord, I ask that you be with GYC in a very special way. Be with a special group who has convened here in this small seminar room. Lord, use us to change this world. Lord, you created a revolution with your son 2,000 years ago. You only chose 12 people, and these 12 individuals went out through the whole world, and we're, we're still reaping the benefits that they, they, that they sowed for us. Father, empower us as you empowered them. May we be an army of young people in these last days. Lord, help overcome our selfishness, our superficiality, and our worldliness. Lord, we're so weak, and we have not much to offer. But placed in your hands, we are the most powerful weapon this world has ever seen. So, Father, we ask you may grant us the gift of surrender and uh, willingness to abide in your word so that we may be your disciples. We pray this in Jesus' name. This media was produced by Audioverse and Hope Media Ministry for GYC, Generation of Youth for Christ. If you would like to listen to more great media like this presentation, or if you would like to learn more about GYC, please visit www.gycweb.org. You can also find great witnessing media at www.audioverse.org and at www.hopevideo.com